0: Good morning, FCBC Wellness family and friends. Thank you for joining us for online worship. If you're on with us at Facebook, I want to encourage you to like each other's comments, say hi, and to interact with each other because starting from next week, as a part of our reopening strategy, we will be shifting our online worship to another platform while we have a soft opening. I'll tell you more about that later. Meanwhile, let me highlight a few announcements from our brand new formatted digital bulletin. Number one. We are going to be bringing in four new members into our church family through the transfer of membership during our Wednesday night prayer meeting on July 29th. This week, we will hear a testimony from a member candidate. So please come and join us. The link is in your bulletin for the Wednesday night prayer meeting. Secondly, we're hosting another blood drive on our campus in August. We had one recently in May, and it was a wonderful success and blessing. And so this August, on the 13th, we're going to be hosting another one and if you want to register to sign up if you're eligible to donate please go to the link that is listed in your digital bulletin and we're aiming for 35 donors who's then able to give 25 pints of blood finally i want to highly recommend the perspectives class whether you've taken it already or you've not taken it yet it is a 15-week course That is offered to train you and equip you in various areas, historically, theologically, biblically, and culturally on how to make disciples locally and globally. And so our mission board is wanting to support the first 10 people who sign up and all the information is in your digital bulletin. If you're interested, please contact Galen and he will follow up with you. Now, back to the reopening. Next week, as you may have heard, we are going to be doing a soft opening. In fact, that's what we will do, be doing the rest of the month of July. And English Congregation will be taking the lead on this. And so throughout the course of this week, you'll be hearing more from me, from Pastor Hanley, and from those that are involved. You will be receiving emails, you will be seeing videos, and you will be reminded of what is to come. Now next week, then we are shifting our platform from YouTube videos that are separate and also Facebook Premiere, which is together to where we're moving everything to YouTube, and we'll be live streaming from there at 10.45 a.m. Again, more information will be sent, but if you want to just bookmark our website, it is www.youtube.com slash FCBCWalnut. With such a big transition ahead of us, please join me in prayer as we also continue to prepare our hearts for the preaching of God's Word. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much, Lord, that even though we are still in the midst of this pandemic, even though there's so many questions that we don't have answers for, even though we are more dependent on you now than ever, Father, we know that you are in control And as we are at this turning point of starting to bring our church family back to regather at 1555 Fairway through the soft openings that will take place in July. We just ask, Lord, for your help, for your favor, for your blessing, and for your wisdom First, on the reopening task force and the hard work that they are doing to prepare the facilities, develop the procedures, to communicate to all the congregations, we pray Father that you would help them to lead us and to advise us and also allow us to walk along with them both as staff but also as members of the church family. Father, we thank you Lord for all of those that have responded by coming to training this weekend Lord, we thank you for their hearts and their desire to serve. And we pray, Father, that you continue to show us and mobilize our people so that they could be engaged and involved and take ownership of this soft opening, eventually leading to our full opening in the month of August, Lord willing. Father, in the meantime, we want to pray, Father, for you to continue, Lord, to bring down the number of infections, especially those who have COVID, Lord, that you would grant them healing and grant them recovery Father, we pray, Lord, that we would love our neighbors and everything that we do. And we also pray, Father, that especially in times of weakness and confusion, that we would turn to you, that our hearts will be geared upwards towards you in dependence, and also our minds would be shaped by your word and your truth. Help us to remember that our identity is in Jesus above all. Help us then to trust in you and your perfect timing. And as we commit to coming back as a church family, we pray that, Lord, that we will walk with each other, that we will carry one another, that we will support and build each other up, and that we will persevere together. Father, we also want to continue to pray for our church as we are in the midst of so many transitions. We ask God that you would lead and guide us. There may be people who are hurting. There may be families who are struggling. There may be people who are sick with other ailments as well and in need of healing and support. We ask God That as you unite us as a people before your word, that you would also knit our hearts together so that we would respond and support and help each other, including the relief that we are doing for COVID. But above and beyond that, within our church, into our neighborhoods, and ultimately may our presence be a blessing to the world. We thank you so much, God, and we ask you, Lord, to continue to prepare our hearts together for the preaching of your word. And we just want to thank you, Lord, for the last many months of the faithfulness of all those that have served to make these online platforms and online content possible and we pray lord that we will continue to journey together into this next season when we go into live streaming and we ask god for your grace to help us through the mistakes that we're bound to make the tech issues that we're bound to have and all the ways in which we have to deal with change we thank you lord that you are the same yesterday today and forever And we ask, God, that our desire to worship stems not in our circumstances, but, Lord, it is anchored and rooted in your worthiness. We thank you, Lord, once again for your kindness to us that leads us to constantly turn to you in repentance and in faith. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Good morning, church. The passage today brings
1: us into a joyful celebration for the dedication of the completed temple. In Ezra chapter 6, verses 13 to 22. But what else we can do in terms of celebration today? COVID-19 is spiking. There's still economic uncertainty around us. Presidential election is polarizing our nation. Unrest in different parts of the world is still causing anxiety and unrest. Why do we celebrate? How do we celebrate? Is this topic even relevant and appropriate for us today? But remember, brothers and sisters, when the Jews were celebrating, they were still under the Persian rules. The second temple that they dedicated was much smaller than the first. And the scale of the celebration was much more subdued than the first. But nonetheless, they took every opportunity to come together to celebrate in a form of worshiping God. And this is what we need as well in COVID-19 crisis. In verses 13 through 15, it talks about the demonstration of God's faithfulness. And that is the basis of our worship. Why do we worship? There is a reason for that. So in verses 13 through 15, let me read to you. Then, according to the word sent by Darius the king, Tetaniah, the governor of the province beyond the river, Bosnai and the associates did with all diligence what Darius the king had ordered. And the elders of the Jews built and prospered through the prophesying of Haggai the prophet and Zechariah the son of Edo. They finished the building by decree of God of Israel and by decree of Cyrus and Darius and Azazes the king of Persia. And this house was finished on the third day of the month of Adar in the sixth year of the reign of Darius the king. You know, this is a great picture of what a good project looks like. Everybody is carrying out their respective responsibilities. The rebuilding is going full speed. The morale is high. The work is completed in no time. And this is what you see, right? Cyrus decreed, and Darius ordered, and Athezaxes built a wall, and Tetani and Bosni and associates facilitated and executed the process. Haggai the prophet and Zechariah, they preach God's word and inspire the people to work again. So the Jews started to work again and the temple is built. But remember, it was God who stirred the heart of King Cyrus and the people of God to come back to build this whole process, to build the momentum. And without that, everything falls apart. It begins with God. Genesis 1 1 says, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, and what God started, lives begin to show in this world. John chapter 1, verse 1 says, In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. Jesus, the incarnated word, came into this world and offered himself as a sacrifice to die on our behalf, so that our sins are forgiven and we are reconciled with God the Father that began the whole process of redemption once for all for the world to be reconciled with the Father. You see, behind all these human activities, an invisible hand is guiding the whole process, accomplishing the greater purpose to fulfill God's will. So this is how it should look like. God stirred And Cyrus Degree and Darius ordered the process and Athazisers built the wall and tetanized and set the executed. Haggai and Zechariah preached. The Jews built. The temple is completed. See, without God stirring the whole process, all these subsequent steps will stop. God initiated, men responded, and the work is done. You know, oftentimes we feel that God is missing in the midst of this COVID-19 pandemic. We don't see the God of hand moving. For four months, everything was in disarray. We changed the way we celebrate birthday, graduation, or wedding. We changed the way we work. We changed the way we worship. Where is God in the COVID-19 pandemic? Where is God when the whole world is in disarray? I remember when I was a kid. I love to see these ants carrying the food back to the nest in a long formation. And as a little kid, I love to put some obstacles along the way to cause them to detour and continue with the path. Maybe a stick, a few drops of water to cause the ants to move about. You know, ants have no idea who was doing that and why he was doing that because he was a kid who was playful. But... The kid saw the big picture. He wants to play a game. He wants to see the the ends change the course of direction uh, to be a a fun activity to do. And he put some obstacles along the way to cause the formation to change the course. See, we don't see the big picture, but God sees the big picture. We are anxious and we are frustrated because the lines are not connected. We see crisis, we see dots, we see events. But all these things are not connected. We don't see the big picture, so we are frustrated. But God has the big picture. Romans chapter 8, verse 28 says, As we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good, for those who are called according to His purpose. See, God connects the dot. You see events and dots, but the lines connecting them is yet to be revealed. And once the line is connected, everything makes sense. Now we understand why these things happen. they are moving in the direction to accomplish God's will. And today we can celebrate because the dots will be connected ultimately. In First Corinthians chapter 13 verse 12 says, "For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then, face to face, now I know in part, but I shall know fully." even as I have been fully known. If that's the case, then the most important thing for Christians like you and me going through this crisis is to pay attention to God. Knowing God's will, knowing God's hand, knowing God's heart, and waiting for God to reveal His ultimate purpose in our lives. See, all matters in life ultimately is a spiritual matter. It takes us back to God. Where is God in this? What is God saying about this? And therefore, you and I, in the midst of this COVID-19, thinking about celebration and worship, the first thing is to pay attention to God. And secondly, I'm going to take you to first 16 to 18 that talks about God's people celebrate with joy. When there's a cause, when there's a reason why we celebrate, now we begin to express our celebration in worship. Verses 16 to 18. Let me read to you. And the people of Israel, the priests and the Levites and the rest of the returned exiles celebrated the dedication of this house of God with joy. They offer at the dedication of this house of God 100 bulls, 200 rams, 400 lambs, and as a sin offering for all Israel, 12 male goats, according to the number of the tribes of Israel. And they set the priest in their divisions and the Levites in the divisions, For the service of God at Jerusalem, as it is written in the book of Moses. You know, there has not been any celebration for 70 years when they were in exile. Now that they are back, now that the temple is completed, it is a time for celebration, it is a time for worship as they dedicate the temple to the Lord. You know, worship, worship is a combination of two words: worth and ship. It means something worthy to be praised. When we say we worship God, we're saying that God is worthy to be praised. I think the hymn, To God be the glory, sums it up the best in the last sentence of the chorus that says, And give Him the glory, great things He has done. There's a reason why we worship. There's a reason why we give Him the glory. Because of the great things. He has done. So with the great things that he has done in the lives of the Jews when they were returned to Jerusalem at the dedication of the temple, they expressed their worship, they expressed their celebration with, first of all, joy. Verse 16 says, And the people of Israel, the priests and the Levites, and the rest of the returned exiles celebrated the dedication of this house of God with joy. There was a joyful celebration. And we need to celebrate and worship God with joy as well. But you know what? Joy is an emotional expression. And for some of us, uh, we consider emotion as bad, as a manipulation. You know, sometimes we have this dualism in our minds that feels that the body is bad, the spirit is good, the body kind of houses the emotions, the feelings, so it is bad. And because some of you have also experienced Manipulations of emotions in a hyped up experience with loud music and maybe even teary uh, expression and equating that as the presence of God. But remember in 1st King chapter 18, Baal worshippers who were calling on their God to send fire on the altar to prove that their God is true while Elijah is waiting and watching, they were loud. They were emotional. They cut themselves. They prayed long and, and loud prayer to get Baal, the idols, to come and send fire, but nothing happened. That is not a worship. Even though they were loud and emotional. How should we worship with joy? And the proper use of our emotion is to worship in spirit and in truth as Jesus instructed the Samaritan women in John chapter 4. To worship God in spirit and in truth. Meaning, it is guided by the teaching of God's word. And expressed by authentic expressions that engages the body, the soul, and the mind. We worship God in spirit and in truth with all authenticity and all sincerity guided by the word of God. You know, sincere... And heartfelt joy must accompany our praise in order to be in, in order for the praise to be genuine. You know, CS Lewis famously said these words. Lovers, people who are dating, they praise each other. Oh, you're so cute, you're so lovely, oh, you're so kind and you're so gentle. Naturally, they just praise each other. People who read books, naturally, they praise the writer. Oh, your your poem is so so moving and so touching. Hikers, they naturally praise the countryside when they hike in different places and say, "This is so beautiful. it is worth the effort to go hiking." The spectators watching a sports naturally praise the, the, the athletes because of their superb performance and the ability to come up with an excellent maneuver in the ball game. Naturally. We praise them joyfully. You know, I think, C.S. Lewis says, I think we delight to praise what we enjoy because the praise not merely expresses, but completes the joy. Not just express our joy, not just express our praise, but it makes the whole joyful experience complete. It makes the worship complete. It is the consummation of our praises. And like excellent performance draws applauses. The applauses and ankles and bravos and sounds like that. Naturally, as we pursue joy in God and praising God, they are not separate acts. John Piper says, Praise not merely expresses but completes the enjoyment. So when we enjoy the presence of God, when we praise and worship God, naturally we will express it joyfully uh, for the glory of God. We worship God joyfully. Secondly, in verse 17 says, we worship God with offering. 17 says they offer at the dedication of the house of God, 100 bulls, 200 rams, 400 lambs, and a sin offering for all Israel, 12 male goats, according to the number of the tribes of Israel. They compared to the dedication of the first temple, this one is very modest. In fact, King Solomon dedicated the first temple, offered 200 times more animals to be sacrificed. But whatever they offered today is a sincere offering of what they had. You know, concerning the offering, a commentator says it was a confession of failure. For sure, they confessed before God, but it is also of faith when they offer the sin offering. See, there was still atonement allowed. There was still atonement offered to them, and still the covenant with the whole people of God. Twelve tribes were there. God's covenant is still true to His people. The reference to the number of twelve tribes of Israel shows that none of the tribes were lost, even during the captivity. Offer, offering is part of worship, not only joy but offering. You know, we can offer our time to God when we worship Him. We can offer our talents to God as a way to serve Him. We can offer our treasure to God, our resources to God as an act of thanksgiving. But more importantly, we can offer our hearts to God. We offer our bodies as a living sacrifice for the glory of God. So you you express in joy, you express in offerings, but you also express in service. In verse 18, that says they set the priest in the divisions and the Levites in the divisions for the service of God at Jerusalem as it is written in the book of Moses. See, the priests and the Levites finally feel useful. Remember in the previous chapters we talked about there were so few Levites who came back. There were a lot more priests and they were helping in the rebuilding of the temple. Now, now they can actually optimize and exercise their gift and their calling to serve in the temple by teaching the law of the Lord and by offering the sacrifices. And the whole uprooting from the Babylon, coming back to Jerusalem, going through four months of traveling and a journey, now it's all worthwhile. It's all worth it. Now we can serve God with all the capacity that He has given us. You know, service is involved in worship, not only just joy and offering. As we continue to move forward after the corporate worship, we enter into our private worship. The private worship being expressed in the marketplace as you go to work. You continue to worship God by showing a good testimony by being light and salt of the world. Your private worship is expressed in your marriage and family. Build strong marriage, build strong family. Your private worship is expressed with a relationship with the neighbors, caring for your neighbors. The corporate worship informs our private worship, and our private worship spills into the neighbors and spills into the marketplace and spills into our marriage and family. So worship with joy, because joy completes our worship. And secondly, worship with offering. Heartfelt worship expressed in a tangible way in offering to God. And worship with service, because what you worship, you serve. If you do not serve what you claim you worship, then you are merely giving admiration. You are not worshiping. You are only admiring whoever you claim to worship. And finally, in verses 19 to 22, we see God's people remember God through festivals. Using festival as a means to continue our worship, to remember our worship, to extend our worship so that we recall and remember God's presence and God's goodness. 19 to 22 says, On the 14th day of the first month, the returned exiles kept the Passover and the priests and the Levites had purified themselves together. All of them were clean. So they slaughtered the Passover lamb for all the returned exile, for their fellow priests and for themselves. It was eaten by the people of Israel who had returned from exile and also by everyone who had joined them and separated himself from the uncleanness of the people of the land to worship the Lord, the God of Israel. And they kept the feast of unleavened bread 7 days with joy for the Lord had made them joyful and had turned the heart of the king of Assyria to them so that he aided them in the work of the house of God the God of Israel. You know beginning in this section the recording begins to revert from Aramaic language back to Hebrew now okay so the the they celebrate uh, all this feast of Passovers that remember the salvation of God and the substitutional uh, grace of God, the sacrificial lamb points to Jesus. Okay. And they celebrate the feast of unleavened bread, symbolizing the purging of sin and holiness to God to be separated for God's purpose. He talks about the revival. See, these two festivals helps them to remember the presence of God and the worship to extend uh, on a daily basis. The Passover celebration took place five weeks after the the temple dedication. And the Feast of Unleavened Bread began right after Passover that lasted seven days. Even the Gentile converts were a part of the worship uh, as they come together to celebrate the presence of the Lord. And the purity is called for. Everybody purify themselves as they come together to observe these festivals. For there to be true joy in our worship, there must be holiness in our lives. Purity and obedience are at the heart of true joy. Sin gives brief pleasure but lasting scars and pain, our commentator says. Obedience may be difficult at the moment or the beginning, but it yields the peace, peaceful fruit of righteousness. Hebrews chapter 12 verse 11 says, disciplines may be unpleasant at the moment, but it yields fruit of righteousness. There's a reference on Darius. As the king of Assyria in verse 22 is kind of unusual, but it's a pretty common practice that whoever conquered the land, they also become the king of the land. So Darius is the king of Persia, but now he conquered Assyria. So it is mentioned that he's a king of Assyria. Again, in verse 22, really summarizes and also repeat why this passage is so important Verse 22 says, And they kept the feast of unleavened bread seven days with joy, for the Lord had made them joyful and had turned their hearts of the king of Assyria to them, so that he aided them in the work of the house of God, the God of Israel. How do we observe the festival in a way to remember the Lord? What keeps us remembering God's goodness in our lives? We remember by repeating repeating the Lord's Prayer, repeating the Apostles' Creed, repeating our mission statement, repeating the songs we sing, we remember. We remember by engaging when we participate in the communion, when we participate uh, in the baptism, when we participate in the festivals, in thanksgiving, in worship, week after week, again and again, and prayer meetings. When we are engaged, we remember. And also we remember by seeing. Seeing the object reminds us of something more abstract, more spiritual, like the communion. We see the bread, we see the cup. It reminds us of the body of Christ. It reminds us of the blood that is shed for us to accomplish salvation for us. What we see reminds us of the spiritual lessons for us. So as we come together week after week, as we come together month after month, to observe the Holy Communion, as we come every seasonally to do baptism. All of these are remembrance of the goodness of God, the salvation of God, and the presence of God, and He is to be praised. Today, I want to summarize the message with the famous Westminster Shorter Catechism, uh, the teaching from the Westminster uh, uh, briefing that says the chief aim of a man and woman, is to glorify God and to enjoy Him forever. God calls us to glorify Him and God calls us to worship Him by fully enjoying Him forever until we see Him again. See, God is our anchor. He strengthens us to walk by faith and not by sight. God demonstrates His mighty deeds and we responded by our joy, are offering, our service to Him. And we remember His blessing through regular commemorations like communion, like baptism. I struggle with how to apply this message. I struggle with how to celebrate even in the midst of COVID-19. But I believe there is a cause, there's a reason for celebration. So how do we celebrate? In celebration, we bring closure to a project By counting God's blessing, giving credit to what, to where credit is due, marveling at the handiworks of God, and engaging the whole community in praise and worship. That is celebration, thanksgiving, and worship of God. When we celebrate, sometimes we don't see God's deeds, but we can know who God is. See, when we don't see the hand of God, we can trust the heart. Of God, For example, Psalm 29.10 reminds us that God is sovereign. We can trust in the sovereignty of God. The Lord sits enthroned over the flood. The Lord sits enthroned as king forever. In the midst of crisis, when we don't see the hand of God, we can trust the favor of God that will come upon us. In Psalm 30 verse 5, it says, For his anger is but for a moment, and his favor is for a lifetime. Weeping may tarry for the night, but joy comes with the morning. In a a stage where we don't see the hand of God and trust the heart of God, His heart is a heart of love. He loves us. In John chapter 13 verse 1 says, Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that His hour had come to depart out of this world to the Father, having loved His own disciples, who were in the world, He loved them to the end. He loves us. That's where we can trust. That's where we can worship. And we celebrate every little success, every little victory in Christ. We celebrate the prayer meetings that is attended by more people. We celebrate the small groups that is attended by more people and they get connected more regularly. We celebrate the fact that we participated in the blood drive. Uh, We celebrate the fact that we share the resources like masks with other healthcare facilities and go out of the four walls of the church to visit our neighbors and to uh, share some uh, practical and useful things uh, with them to express our love for them. Remember, He must increase and I must decrease. He is glorified and I am fully satisfied and contented in Christ. That we can celebrate. Secondly, we want to celebrate together by journeying together. This is the power of community. The power of community is being diluted in this safe-at-home order, and we have to worship online. We can't get together. So, as we prepare for the reopening of the church, I want to call you to come back as much as possible, uh, as well as much as uh, it is possible for you to come back and worship together, because there's power. In community, we must come back together. This COVID-19 pandemic really sliced a big chunk of our church life because we are separated, we are scattered. I want to call the church to come back together as much as possible because there's power in community. And when we journey together, there will be time for celebration, to count God's blessing. But we have to face the reality that As we journey together, there will also be a time for lament, a time to grieve the loss, a time to deepen our faith. And oftentimes it is in the lamentation that we find celebration, we find deepening of our faith in God. Because oftentimes in lamentation that we move from transaction to transformation. Oftentimes, our relationship with God is transactional. You bless me, I serve you. You give me more, I give you more. You, you love me, I love you back. Transactional. But as we come to lamentation, there's nothing much when we are in a crisis. There's nothing much that we can offer as a bargaining chips. We have nothing to offer. And we begin to learn that more importantly, we need to transform our lives, transform our minds to be like Jesus. We grow deep in Christ. When we are in a lamentation, we begin to see that less is more. When everything goes well, there are so many things in our hands, we we cannot empty our hands to hold the hand of God because we are occupied by things of the world. But now in a crisis, we have less. Now that we have less, we begin to be more focused. We focus on God. Our hands is free to hold the hand of God. Less is more. In the time of lamentation, we begin to move from material things into relational things. We move from just accumulating the worldly desire, the worldly war chest, so to speak. We begin to cherish and value relationships. People are more important now. In lamentation, we move from independence to interdependence. When everything was going well, when we were celebrating, we have everything, we depend on these things. But now, when all these things are taken away from us, we begin to see that independently, I cannot do it on my own. And for these four months, many of you experienced that on your own, it's so difficult to keep your spiritual life active, spiritual life sharp but we see a sense of the need for interdependency. We need each other. We need brothers and sisters. We need to come together to worship. Worshiping with a house full of people is so different because we can borrow, we can lean on each other and that enliven our faith in God. So I want to conclude with Romans chapter 8 verse 18 to remind you as we go through this lamentation. For I consider that the suffering of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. We don't see the big picture. We see thoughts. We see events. After events, crisis, God connects them together to reveal His glory. And Once we see the big picture, once we see God's line connecting all the dots, we give glory to God, we give praises to God, we worship God, because now we understand that God is in control. He is sovereign and He loves us. So let's celebrate. There is still reason for celebration and worship. Let's pray together. God, we thank you for your goodness and your mercy upon us. Yes, it is difficult to call people to celebrate, to worship because we don't find enough reason to move us to worship and to celebrate. But once we understand and trust God for connecting the dots, for connecting the events and make it meaningful for the glory of God, Lord, we can trust you for ultimately you will reveal it to us. The Lord teaches to know how to walk by faith and not by sight and to continue the journey strong. In Jesus' name. Amen. Let's receive the benediction of God. Now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of the Heavenly Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you now and forever in Jesus' name. Amen. God be with you.